0: Good morning, everyone. We
1: are so glad that you're here. You made it through the ice. Um, That was a slippery uh, uh, drive for me. I don't know about you guys, but I'm glad they got some more salt out there. Um, We're so glad that you're here in person, and also for those of you who are here online, I want to remind the people that are online um, that we do have um, hosts that can pray for you and uh, answer any questions. All you have to do is click on the uh, Request Prayer button, and you'll go into a private chat with one of our hosts. So we're glad you're here. Um, if you wouldn't mind uh, joining us in worship by standing in, um, in body and in spirit, if you can't stand. Um, our first scripture reading is 1 Corinthians 12:13, which says, In one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, And all were made to drink of one spirit. So our hope for you this morning and our prayer is that uh, together we can encounter the spirit of God working in us and through us as we worship. So join us with your voices and let's praise God.
0: the night is holding on to me. God is holding on. Isaiah chapter 42 verses 5 through 6 says, Thus says God the Lord, Who created the heavens and stretched them out? Who spread out the earth and what comes from it? Who gives breath to the people on it and spirit and those who walk in it? I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. And I will take you by my hand and I will keep you. Wow. That's an amazing promise, isn't it? So let's continue right now. Worship, pouring out our praises to God, whose very breath fills our lungs and new spirit is here right now, and online as well.
1: our praise to you and we cannot thank you enough for the breath that we breathe, the life that you have given us, the love that you give us, and even the light in the darkness, Lord. But more than anything, I just want to thank you when our hearts are broken, how you will restore them. That's such a gift. We can't thank you enough. Lord, and I just pray that you accept this worship that we have brought to you today. helps us to draw closer to you Lord and we just want to feel your presence. So Lord as we go on with our service today um, I just pray that you will open up our hearts and our minds and our souls to hear what you want us to learn about you today. That we will feel closer to you. That we will know that you are there and that your Holy Spirit is always with us looking out for us. We give it all to you and Jesus' name, your precious, precious Son, that gave everything for us. In Jesus' name,
2: amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, Welcome to Springbrook. Um, Here at Springbrook, we exist to glorify God, to equip believers, and to reach others for Christ. And I just, I appreciate you all taking part of that. I appreciate your support in Springbrook trying to do that. And I just, I welcome you here this icy and slippery morning. Um, And if you're at home, you've missed some icy and slippery times today. So um, I'm Andy Suarez, and again, just welcome. It's great to have you here, whether you're online or whether you're in person with us. Um, One thing I want to talk about, you have a connections card. Uh, If you're with us online, um, there's a link for the connections card at the top of the screen that you can um, click and fill out. gives us your name, gives us some information about you, lets us know how we can pray for you. Um, You can also request some additional information if there's something that we're talking about, whether it's one of our programs or it's one of our different ministries that you want to get involved with or that you have questions about. You can mention that on there, and we'll get back to you about that Um, if you're here with us in person. uh, You have a connections card on the row that you're sitting on, um, sitting in, and so you can can fill that out. And uh, there's a black box at the back of the room where you can... um, that into There's another black box outside that you can put that in as you're um, exiting out. Um, our Thrive ministry was going to be kicking off today, uh, this evening. So if you have a student that's in Thrive, um, not today. It's going to be next week now. So it's next Sunday um, on the 16th. Um, if you don't know about Thrive, it's for 7th to 12th grade students. Um, and it's every Sunday night, and it's from 6.30 to 8.30, and they come here, and they play games, and they hear God's word, and they break off into small groups and talk about what they heard and stuff, and it's, it's, it's a great time. Um, so if you, if you want more information about that, let us know. We have a prayer gathering that's coming up the second Tuesday. Every second Tuesday, we gather together here in this room, um, and we pray and we've got a couple topics that we'll talk about that we'll pray about, but really just to pray for the church and for really anything that's going on. It's also time for praise, too, to what God's doing in our lives. We invite you to come join us. Um, That's on the 11th, so that's this coming Tuesday. It's at 7 p.m. We partner with an organization called Informed Choices. We partner with them for years. Um, Your giving helps um, support them. And we also do a baby bottle drive every year. And so if you uh, on your way out in the lobby or maybe on your way in you saw it, there's baby bottles out there. Um, There's also cards if you just want to make a donation. um, You know, just using a card instead of a baby bottle, but it's kind of fun to put change and cash and checks in the baby bottle stuff. Um, So uh, Informed Choices is an organization. They come alongside men and women um, that are dealing with really important pregnancy decisions. And uh, we actually have a video that's going to... it's a testimony, so we're going to play that to tell us a little bit more about what they're doing.
3: One day, started feeling a little different. Um, me and my friend went to go get a pregnancy test, and then I seen that it was positive. Um, I sent a picture to my boyfriend, and he was a little shocked and surprised. Um, And he told me, like, the decision is mine. Um, I sat on it for a couple of days, and then I started looking up abortion places. Um, This place, Informed Choices, was the first number that i seen. So I called it. um, I asked if they do abortions. They told me no. Um, Then we got off the phone pretty quickly. But she called me back, and she told me that they have, like, services and... um, before I make a decision if I would like to come in to talk. And um, I came in like later on that week and I uh, got a ultrasound and that kind of made me know that I didn't want an abortion and um, didn't want to have my baby. The factors that went into me thinking about abortion was I wanted a better career um still still finishing up school um and I'm not married so I kind of had different expectancies or expectations um for when I had a baby and everything wasn't lining up but Um, After I had the ultrasound, I seen that that was okay and life happens and that I want my baby and um, to do what I need to do to make sure that I uh, have a great healthy pregnancy and that my baby is safe and healthy as well. This program impacted me tremendously. It helped me So much um, just knowing that I was going for an abortion and how I changed my mind just by coming here to talk to someone and talk it through. Because when you're going to have an abortion, sometimes you don't have a conversation with someone about it. And then just hearing things out loud, I'm like, I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound like me. I was making a kind of irrational decision and having somebody not judging and just listening to you it kind of helps you realize like that's not probably what I wanted I was doing that out of fear and now that I have support and I have someone to talk to about things I could do this and I'm stronger than I thought that I was and I'm gonna get my life together, figure out things that I need to do to make sure that I am successful and that my baby is well taken care of.
4: It's an opportunity for us too, just to just support uh, men and women that are making decisions about what to do with their baby. You know, we believe that life uh, begins at conception, And uh, we want to support those efforts to support people that are making decisions about that. We've got many families at Springbrook that are involved in the adoption process. uh, It's a privilege for us to be able to support informed choices as a part of our budget. Um, We have an annual annual celebration that we participate in every year. And then your participation through the Baby Bottle uh, Campaign is an opportunity for us uh, to support an organization that's making a difference in the lives of people. And so I thank you for your uh, support. And we are so glad that you are uh, with us this morning. I know many of you are watching online. I didn't didn't get on my cell phone to see how many people are watching online right now. I know it's slippery out there. If you're in person with us this morning, we're glad you're with us. I was out in the parking lot walking in. I thought this isn't too bad. shouldn't have said it. So I got a nice little imprint of the parking lot on my knee. (laughs) It's slippery out there. Uh, but we are so glad that you are with us. If you are watching online, uh, there's a place for you to share any prayer requests that you might have. Or our online hosts are watching with you. Uh, maybe you're watching this at a later date. Um, we're just uh, glad that you're with us this morning. We're continuing our series looking at uh, Encounter. We're talking about Encounter 2022. And so the new year is here. The question is, is how are we going to uh, embrace it? Are we going to be passive observers and, and take what comes at us? Or are we going to be intentional about engaging uh, with what God has for us this year. And so we want uh, people to have an opportunity to encounter the life-transforming power of a relationship with Jesus Christ and be able to experience that. Not just, not just have a relationship with Christ, but be able to experience the fullness of life that God promises us in John 10.10. 10. Jesus came so that we could have life and we could have it to the full. And so we want people to experience the fullness of life that God has for us. Last week, we looked at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. It says this, The Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We are no longer bound. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves to the things of this world. Our, our heart is set on something more. Our hearts are set on home and the reality of heaven. There is freedom in who we are in Christ. And we, with an unveiled face, are beholding the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree to another. And so the life that we're living as Christ followers is a transformed life. There's something different about us. God grows us. He changes us. The Christian life is a life of transformation. It's not something that you do as a pastime. It's something that you're aware of. It's a lifestyle. And so we live these transformed lives from one degree of glory to another. This all comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so it's the Holy Spirit working in and through us that enables us to experience this life transformation, enables us to experience the fullness of life that God has for us because of who we are in Christ and transformation is a process. And so transformation is a process. To be transformed is not a one-time event. It's an, it's an ongoing transformation. We're continually, the thrust of this passage is we're continually being transformed. And so it's a process. And so we talked about um, our spiritual growth pathway at Springbrook, our pathway. We talked about the way that Jesus modeled that with his disciples. He invited his disciples to come and to, to follow him. And he would make them fishers of men. And so it was an invitation to come and be with Jesus. And many of those first disciples, those disciples were all ones that were intentional about making that decision to be in relationship with him. He invites them to come and follow him and to be in community with him and to learn from him. And so for three years, the disciples were with him, and through his ministry, he taught them. He was with them. He was in their presence. He taught them the Scriptures. He taught them how to apply it to their lives. And so Jesus' invitation is to come, and not just to come into a relationship, but to learn. To learn about him, to learn about his Heavenly Father, and to learn about what God would have for us. so, So there's an invitation to learn. And then there's an invitation to work with him, to accomplish ministry with him. They were just hanging out with him. They were serving together with him. He sent them out two by two to be witnesses, and he talked about their experiences. He gave them authority to cast out demons, and so they were in ministry working together with Jesus, and that was an invitation that Jesus invited them to participate in. And then he said, I'm going to leave you, and I want you to continue this effort, this mission. Go while you're going, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey. In other words, multiply yourself. What you've been doing with me, For these last three years, I want you to continue doing after I leave you. I'm going to send you a helper, but we're to continue the mission. So we're all invited to be a part of a mission of going into a community that desperately needs to hear about Christ. We're involved in a mission that's designed to help people to grow in their faith and experience the fullness of who they are in Christ. And that's what our discipleship process is is all about. We want to help people connect, grow, serve, and go. Last week, we introduced a couple of opportunities for people to experience that. And so it's not just an academic exercise, but an opportunity that you have to put these into practice in your life. And so these are not just concept or ideas and pretty colors that look good, but there's opportunities for us to actually be able to put them into practice in our life. And so we have four workshops at Springbrook that are designed to help you be able to experience this pathway. We have a starting point workshop. Our next workshop is coming up on, on January 26th. It's an opportunity to hear a little bit more about our vision, our mission, our values at Springbrook and how you can be a part of that. And So I would encourage you, if you're not a member of Springbrook or if you've been around Springbrook for a while and you're trying to figure out what's next for you, or maybe you're checking out churches um, this is a great workshop for you to get connected to. And so if you want to know more information about that, that's on our website. Starting point is a workshop. We have our small groups. They're designed. They're biblical communities of people that are meeting in their homes. They're studying and learning the Bible together. They're growing in their faith together. And so Pastor Matt's working on a how do you study the Bible workshop. We've got opportunities for you to, to learn more about the Bible and how it applies to our life. And then we have our spiritual gifts workshop that we're going to be hosting coming up in February. You know, the Bible says that every believer has a spiritual gift, and we're going to be looking at that next week. And so we have spiritual gifts for the purpose of building up and strengthening the body of Christ as we work together to accomplish what God has for us. And then we want to live missionally. So Pastor Matt's got a go-to workshop that he's got coming up. uh, I think it's in two weeks. It's on our website as well. It's an opportunity for us to, to learn how do we share our faith, how do we engage in conversation. How do we make an impact on our community? And so those workshops are all designed to help you be able to experience this fullness of life uh, that God has for us. And then we're inviting everybody at Springbrook. If you're listening to my voice, if you've heard of Springbrook, if you're here, everybody at Springbrook, I'm praying will take a step forward and encounter the life-transforming, of relationship with Christ as we move into this new year. So we have opportunities for you to do that. We've got four resources we've made available. Uh, Those are out in our lobby. Um, We've got an online community that's formed right now. 30 of you have already joined our online community. Uh, It's an opportunity for us to read and to study and apply together what God would have for us. And so we have, uh, I've got mixed feelings about it because it's another app for our cell phone. uh, But it's called Slack. It's a Slack Slack group, S-L-A-C-K. It's on our website. Uh, But it's an opportunity for us to share what we're learning together, to pray for one another, encourage one another. No matter where we are, what chair we're in, no matter where you are, we want to invite you into this community of people that are learning together to put these principles into practice in their life. And So if you want to know more information about that, um, please visit our website. We've got the information for you um, there. I know many of you have picked up the resource uh, on a counter. It's a 21-day a spiritual journey into understanding and unlocking more of the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And that's important because the Holy Spirit's the one that's doing the work in us. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that helps us to be able to encounter this life transformation. It's the one that, he's the one that helps us to move on our pathway. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. It's critical that we understand the Holy Spirit and his role in our life. And so if you haven't picked one of those up, those are available out in the lobby as well. Um, you've got more information uh, on our website. I'd encourage you over these next few weeks, every week, we're going to be inviting everybody to be intentional about thinking about what chair am I in? What, where am I at in this process? Because we exist. We exist to equip the saints for ministry. We exist to help people understand how to explore more of what God has for them. And so a part of that is your thinking through, well, what is God doing in my life? And so we want to encourage everyone to be thinking about picking a chair. Uh, We want to encourage you to sign up uh, for our encounter series. Um, I mean, go to our website, springbrook.org slash pathway. It's on our app. It's everywhere. Uh, It's really easy to sign up. And even if you do not want to participate in the Slack group, and I understand uh, why why people avoid uh, apps. I mean, the last thing I need is another notification on my cell phone. Um, But if you're not going to participate in the online community, I want to encourage you at least to sign up so that I can be praying for you. We're going to have a monthly conference call every month on Zoom, and we'll break up into groups, and so we're going to, we'll have an online community. If anything, if you don't want to participate in any of those communities um, and you just want to read the book, then just let me know that you're reading it. So there's a place for you to sign up on our website as well. Um, signing up doesn't uh, commit you to anything. There's a lot of opportunities, um, but I want to encourage you just to sign up uh, so that we can be praying for you and so you can be a part of what God has for us as we move into this um, new year. Uh, It's going to be an exciting year. I'm looking forward to what God has for us. All of this comes about, this life transformation. Everything that the Christian life, as we encourage and sharpen one another and grow, all this life transformation is brought about from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so we are dependent on the Holy Spirit working in and through us to accomplish all that God has for us, individually and together. And so understanding the Holy Spirit is really important. want to look at the Holy Spirit today we're going to be uh, we're going to be looking at four realities of the Holy Spirit but unfortunately for many people when they think of the Holy Spirit they think of this and I I've got grandkids now and so uh I outgrow all my toys were gone but I love having grandkids one of the things they've discovered Star Wars so I've got some son-in-laws and so I don't know if you can hear this and somebody told me you got the wrong color dude you're the bad guy so like oh I didn't have a blue one so this is the only one I got but here's the point. I don't know if you can hear the sounds pretty cool too. Most people, when they think about the Holy Spirit, think of the Holy Spirit as an invisible, unknowable force. May the force be with you. Oh, that sounds kind of cool. It makes noise. Most people think of the Holy Spirit as something that turns on and off. Others, is that blue? No. Yeah. This is not what the Holy Spirit is. It's not an impersonal force. May the force be with you, as a generic term, is something impersonal about that. And when most people think about the Holy Spirit, they think about this impersonal force that can't be known. It's just, it's out there, it's nebulous. And you know, what is the Holy Spirit? You know, I grew up, I believed in God. I mean, I knew there was a God. I just, from from my perspective, uh, I've got kind of an analytical back. I knew we didn't come from nothing, and so I know there had to be a creator. And so I I, I knew there was a creator and I had been exposed enough to the idea of the fact that there's a God. And so I didn't have any problem talking about God. But man, the second somebody started talking about Jesus, I'm like, whoa, hold on a second. I talk about God all day long, but Jesus, I don't know. I'm not sure about what that was. And so my life journey began with understanding, well, who is God and how do you have a relationship with him? And, And if there is a God, how would you have a relationship with him? And that's the beauty of Christmas. You know, we just celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ. It's not when he was born, you know, and there's a lot of you know, misconceptions about the holiday. It's just a day that we pick to say we're going to celebrate Jesus' birth and everything that means to us. And so at the end of the year, we went through a series on the role of who Jesus is. And we looked at him as, you know, in his role, the fact that he is God. And we talked about what that meant for us. Jesus is the light of the world. And that's great news. And so we, we, we can have conversations about God. Those are typically easy to have. Uh, talking about Jesus... Um, can be a little bit touchy, you know, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your, in your, in your, in sometimes in your home. I mean, think about it, in your school. Uh, we're not. Sometimes we're not even allowed to talk about Jesus. You know, you know, we're not. We're, people don't want to talk about this separation of church and state. I mean, sometimes having conversations about Jesus is difficult, and so it's not persecution kind of conversations. But there are things that hold us back from being able to talk about Christ and our relationship with Christ in an open fashion. Many times, we just don't understand what that's like so we don't know how to talk about it and so if you have questions about a relationship with Christ we we want to make sure people understand that but even if you have a relationship with Christ I mean we got the father and the son those are typically easier to talk about but think about when was the last conversation you had about the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity the Holy Spirit is the one that we have as a helper now the Holy Spirit is the one that enables us to experience life transformation The Holy Spirit is the one that is equipping us and leading us and helping us to experience the fullness of what God has for us. It's an important person of the Trinity, and there's very few conversations about him. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. We have to understand that before we can experience life transformation. Does that make sense? And so we want to look at the person of the Holy Spirit. The first thing that we know about the Holy Spirit from Scripture is that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an impersonal force. He's not somebody that cannot be known. The Holy Spirit is a person. And that's an important reality because we need to understand that we can know him. A person is somebody that you can know, you can have a relationship with. The Holy Spirit is that kind of a person. John writes in chapter 14, Jesus is saying these things. I've spoken to you while I am still with you. I'm with you now. I'm speaking these things to you so you can know me and you, know, you can understand how to work with me and who I am. And so I'm, I'm speaking to you so you'll have a relationship with me. But, but there's a helper, the Holy Spirit, with whom the Father is going to send in my name. And he's going to teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so I've been with you. I'm going to be leaving and there's going to be somebody new that you're going to be in relationship with. Jesus was with them in a tangible way. He's leaving, and now we have the Holy Spirit in his, as a replacement for him. We're no longer physically in the presence of Jesus like the disciples were, but we are in the presence of the Holy Spirit as a person. The Holy Spirit is a helper. The Holy Spirit is somebody that the Father will send You you send something that's, that's tangible. A person is, there's a reality of who the Holy Spirit is that we need to understand. He's a helper. He's our counselor. He has been sent here to help us on our spiritual journey, to help us to be able to experience life transformation, to give us the power that we need to live out our Christian faith. He is a helper in every sense of the word. When was the last time that you needed help? When was the last time you needed help with something? You know, what was your first thought to call on when you needed help? You know, a couple weeks ago, I was installing some trim in my daughter's house, and I needed help. I needed a a miter saw. I didn't have a miter saw. My next-door neighbor, Matt, uh, I love Matt. Matt's got, he and I, we share tools. And so Matt's got tools, and, you know, we like to share But he had a miter saw, so I walked next door and I said, Hey, can can I borrow your miter saw? Sure, I'll be glad to help you with that. So Matt came alongside me and gave, his, gave me his miter saw. You know, if you're watching, Matt, it, it's still in my garage. I'll bring it back. <laughs> Always bring tools back in a better shape than you are, right? <laughs> but Matt came alongside me and helped me in a, in a tangible way. The Holy Spirit is able to help us like that. You know, when we're struggling with hurts, when we're struggling with hang-ups, when we're struggling with depression, when we're struggling to find answers, when when we're struggling and we need help, the Holy Holy Spirit is, is the best friend that you can have. You are never alone. God is always with you, and the Holy Spirit as a person is there to strengthen you and empower you and to help you experience what God has for you. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now you'll find some of these in that study. If you pick up one of those study guides, you'll see some of these attributes of the Holy Spirit as you're reading through your study. These are just some of the ones that I found. When I go through Scripture, I've got a couple different highlights in here. You know, you highlight right in your Bible. I was just kind of thumbing down through my Bible just to find you know just different passages that talked about the Holy Spirit as a person. And there was just there was too many to share. I mean, I I, I wanted to share this one because this one gives you an idea of the the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person that is referred to as a part of the Trinity the Father had sent him. And so so there's one passage, but but the, the Bible's filled with passages that talk about the reality of the Holy Spirit being a person, a person that teaches. The Holy Spirit teaches us. He speaks to us. He thinks. He feels. We can grieve him. The Holy Spirit in every sense of the word is a person in that way. The Holy Spirit has a mind. He thinks. He does the Father's will. There's there's emotions. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. So there's sadness that he'll experience. There's, There's knowledge that he has. There's intelligence. In every sense of the world, the Holy Spirit has these human qualities, these human characteristics. The Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. He guides us. He comforts us. He convicts us. He commands us. He corrects us. He trains us. The Holy Spirit, in every sense of the word, is a a person that is a resource for us to live out the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is not somebody that you have to wonder about how to have a relationship with. The Bible is clear about how to have a relationship with him. Do you let him teach you? When we open up God's Word and we study God's Word, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us. He's teaching us. And so, if we don't, if we don't, if if we feel like God's distant, or we 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 don't know who the Holy Spirit is, then we have to step back and say, "Well, are are we prepared to listen?" Your relationships are two way. You know, we talk and listen to God. Those relationships are two ways. If we're going to know more about the Holy Spirit, we have to listen to him. We have to let him teach us. We have to let him speak to us. We have to hear what he thinks and what he feels, and all of those are found in Scripture. That's one of the things I love about Bible study when we're in small groups. These are the kind of things they talk about. You know, they talk about, well, what does this look like in your life? What does the Bible say about how we can experience that? So the Holy Spirit, in every sense of the word, is a person that you can know at an intimate level. He's a person, and he is also God. The Holy Spirit is a person, and he is also fully God. We believe in one God that exists as three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In our series last month, we saw that Jesus Christ, in every sense of the way, is fully God. We've got the Father as God, we've got Jesus as God, and the Holy Spirit, in every sense of the word, is fully God. There's one God existing as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and so there's a Holy Spirit. It's important that we know that not only is it is it a person that we can know, he's not an impersonal force. He's a, he's a person that we can know. He's also fully God. There's a passage in uh, Acts chapter 5. Uh, the early church has been uh, birth. Uh, people are coming to faith in Christ. Uh, they're they're breaking bread in their homes. They're they're devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They're meeting together in the temple courts, and so they're meeting together in large group gatherings, and they're meeting together in smaller group gatherings, and the and the church is starting to grow. And when we get into Acts chapter five. There's a story about the um, all the believers are starting to, uh, in their community, um, starting to support and encourage one another in the work that God's doing. And so people are selling off possessions. They're bringing their their offerings to the Lord. And uh, in Acts chapter 5, we see there's a family, uh, Ananias and Sapphira. And they have sold some some property that they're to bring to the Lord. And so they bring it to the Lord. uh, Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 5, it says, Ananias, along with his wife Sapphira, they sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge... He kept back some from himself, the proceeds that he that he was supposed to donate. He kept them back for himself, and he laid the rest of it at the apostles' feet. When Peter sees that, he says, "Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some for yourself as a part of the proceeds of the land?" The problem is not that he kept some of the some of the proceeds from the land. The problem was, is that he had sold the land to give to the Lord. And at the last minute, he's like, eh, I don't think I want to give this to the Lord. I think I'm going to keep some back for myself. And so he gets called out on that. And uh, so Peter calls him out and says, well, why did you lie? Why did you say that you were going to sell this to, the, to give it to the Lord? And then you didn't. You, keep, you kept some of your, for yourself. While it remained unsold, it was yours to do whatever you wanted with. After it was sold, it was not, was it not at your disposal? Had you not offered that up to the Lord? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but have lied to God. And so in the beginning of that passage, Peter is saying, you know, you have lied to the Holy Spirit and you have kept some back to yourself. So this was an issue between you and God. It was something that God had placed on your heart. And then in, in the middle of this process, you ended up lying to the Holy Spirit. And then he comes back down towards the end. He said, you have not lied to man, but to God. Peter equates the Holy Spirit, to being every sense of the word fully God. You know, Jesus says in Philippians, it says that he emptied himself, giving up his rights and claims to, to, he took on the form, he took on the appearance of a man, but in every way was fully God. And so Jesus was both man and God. And so there's two natures to who Jesus is, but he is fully God. And here we see Peter talking about the reality that the Holy Spirit is also God. And so as you read through scripture, there's just passage after passage that talks about the reality of the Holy Spirit being God. Sometimes when we're teaching or when you're studying, sometimes when you're looking at a passage, um, you want to study the one passage and you want to understand one passage. And so so when you look at this in the context of what's happening here, um, Peter is equating uh, the reality of the the Holy Spirit being God. And this is just one passage. But if you look at what all the Bible has to say, That's called a systematic review. So this is more of an exegetical look, and so we're looking at one passage and drawing some principles out. Sometimes we have to look at what all of Scripture says. You know, the Bible doesn't say anywhere the word Trinity doesn't appear in the Bible. And so we believe in one God, the existing as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're not going to find the word Trinity in the Bible, but from cover to cover, you're going to find evidence supporting that understanding. We know that God is a triune God. He's let us make man in our image. In the very beginning of creation, you see God created the heavens and earth, but his spirit was over the water. As you read through the Bible from Genesis to Exodus, there are passages after passages that that point to the reality of one God existing as three persons. And so that's called the systematic approach. And so when we look at what all of the Bible has to say about who Jesus is and about who the Holy Spirit is, we come to the same conclusion that the Holy Spirit is God. And so I'm going to put this, this is up on our, uh, on our website as well. And so I'm going to be putting up our PowerPoint presentations as well as uh, our, our notes. And so it's, it's on the bottom of our Springbrook.org slash pathway. But a systematic understanding of the Bible. It talks about there's one God, but when you look at these different traits of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Bible's filled with the reality of the fact that all three are God. The, the, the creator is referred to, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit are referred to as the creator. The resurrection resurrects, the father resurrects, the son, and the Holy Spirit resurrects and dwells. He's everywhere, all-knowing, sanctifies, life-giving, in fellowship with, is eternal, has a will, speaks, loves, searches the heart. All three of the triune God participate in those activities. All three, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit are God. They have different relationships to each other. And we relate to them differently as individuals, but that doesn't change the reality that they are all equally God. And so we spend a lot of time talking about the reality of Jesus being God. There's a lot of people don't believe Jesus is God. Well, you got to take that one step further because not only is Jesus God, but the Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is the one that we have with us right now. And so when we talk about what God can do in our lives, we're talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, when we pray... You know, we pray to our heavenly father. Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this, our father who art in heaven. We have a heavenly father that we pray to. That's in every sense of the word involved in the activities of our life. And we have one mediator between us and God. When we pray, when we confess, we don't have to go to anybody else. We we can have direct relationship with our heavenly father because of who Jesus is. We have one mediator between us and God, and that's Jesus. And so we pray to the father. We have access to the father because of Jesus. And we pray through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. In fact, if we don't know how to pray, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will intercede for us in our behalf. He'll give us the words to pray. And so we pray to the Father, we pray through the Son, and we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so all three aspects of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, are present in our lives even when we're praying. And when, we're, when, we're, and when somebody gets baptized, we baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all active in our lives, but there's different ways that we relate to them, and there's different ways that they relate to each other, but they are equally God. And so the Holy Spirit, in every sense of the word, is a person, and in every sense of the reality, is God. It's important to know that the Holy Spirit is God. He's a person, he's God, and then here's the other thing. He is everywhere. There is nowhere that the Spirit of God is not present. You know, we got together this morning, uh, our worship team, uh, we get in early, we, uh, we, we warm up, we turn on the heater so it's nice and warm and people come in and we, we practice and then we, our worship team gets together and our production team, our entire team gets together and we meet in the conference room, the children's ministry gets together uh, and they pray and they get together with their teachers and our first impressions team gets together. All of our ministries kind of get together and they spend some time and pray and, and we pray that the Spirit of God we just permeate this place. We pray that when people come in, that they would feel the Spirit of God in their lives, that the Spirit of God would draw them. That's my prayer through my teaching. When, when we're teaching, I pray that the Holy Spirit would, would help people to understand and, and come to understand the things that I've been studying. And I'm sharing with you what God's revealed to me. And, and so it's not about me, but about what Scripture has to say. You know, sometimes we get hung up on, on the different you know, personalities. Of, it doesn't matter what, who's preaching. The reality is, is, what does God's word say and how does that come to bear in my life? And so it's my prayer that people would see Christ through our message, that the Holy Spirit would be present in this place. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is present in this place. I pray that when you go home, that there's a spirit of peace. This, in this world, we have trials and tribulations and trouble. Our peace comes from who we are in Christ. And so I, I pray that that peace, the Holy Spirit would be present in your home, in your workplace, and in this place. And so the Holy Spirit is present in our lives. And so in Acts chapter 10, while Peter was saying these things, he was teaching, he was was telling, just like I'm doing now, it says the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard his word. Father, let your spirit fall on people that are hearing this word. The Holy Spirit fell on them and the believers from all of those circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Because there's this understanding at the time that that this relationship with God was only for the chosen people of Israel, but God's Spirit poured itself on everyone. We're in a new covenant now. So it's no longer about our law and the Old Testament and the Jewish faith, but understanding that there's a new covenant because of who we are in Christ. And so that surprised many of the first believers, who were all Jewish, that God was calling everyone into a relationship with Himself now. All are welcome. You mean God would send somebody to hell if they don't believe in Jesus? No, all are welcome. It is a choice that each one of us get to make. God loves everyone. God loves the entire world. And he's given his son to to pay for the penalty of sin so that we can be brought into a right relationship with him. And it, it extends, that offer extends to every single living, breathing human being. All are welcomed. It amazed the early Christians. The gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And so in the context of this group gathering, the Holy Spirit's present. But you know what? He's present everywhere. He's not just present here on Sunday morning, and then when you leave, it's like, oh, I just left the Spirit behind. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. In Psalms uh, 139, the author is talking about the Spirit of God at work in his life and how he's experiencing that. And he asks a question that's rhetorical. Where shall I go that, is not, that your spirit is not present? Where shall I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from you that you are not present? The answer to that is nowhere. There is nowhere that the spirit of God is not present. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings in the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. I love the idea of looking out over the ocean and watching the sunset. I don't don't know how far away that is, miles wise. 10,000 miles, I don't know. What's the circumference of the earth? I'm sure there's a mathematical formula for figuring that out. As far as you can think, the Holy Spirit is there and available to you to lead you, to guide you. You can sense God's presence no matter where you are, the presence of God is everywhere. And that's good news. You are never alone. There are times when I wake up in, in the morning and I'm by myself. I go downstairs and in all senses, you know, in one sense, I'm by myself. But when I sit down and I open and I start to pray, the Spirit of God is there. The Spirit of God follows me around everywhere. It's, like, it's, a, little, it's a little person that's, that's with me. No matter where I am, there's a person with me the Holy Spirit is with me. The Spirit is with me no matter where I am, what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, no matter what's going on in my life, there's a person standing next to you. The Holy Spirit. Now he's a a person, but he's God, the creator of the universe, The, the one that spoke creation into existence is available to you at all times everywhere. Isn't that great news? That's something to celebrate. And so when, you, when, you're, when you're looking at your email or when, you, when, you're, when, you're, when you're in the middle of your conversations and they, started to get, they start to get, you know, uh, tense, <laughs> the Holy Spirit's there. Just step back and say, hey, God, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what you have for me in this, but could you please help me to slow down, help me to feel this? And so stopping to acknowledge and to recognize that the Holy Spirit is present with you is, is how he can guide you and direct you and teach you. It's there that you find the fruits of the Spirit. love joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control, those things, those fruits of the Spirit, all come not as a result of our circumstances, they come as a result of having a relationship with Christ and understanding the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. He is, he is everywhere. And he's there to see you through any circumstance. Look, you know, the Holy Spirit is a person, he is God, He is everywhere, and then here's, here's the great news. He can actually reside in us. He can actually live in us. You know, I was watching uh, the new Matrix. And so uh, just get it out there. I'm not a fan. (laughs) I like Matrix. I watched the new Matrix last week. And so, uh, you know, the kids are talking about the Matrix. I grew up with the Matrix, obviously. And so it's new for one sense of the generation. But I I loved the first one. And so after I watched the new Matrix, I thought, I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch the first one. And I tried to find a picture of it. I, I couldn't find a picture of it. I'm, I'm sure there's one there. But there's a scene in the Matrix. If you haven't seen it, go watch the first one. It's really good. But there's a scene there where, uh, where, the, where uh, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. A picture's worth a thousand words. But the, the Matrix guy jumps into the guy and it explodes him. And you know this thing I'm talking about? If you've seen the, you've seen the Matrix. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does, He, he comes into you. It takes up residence in you. The Holy Spirit is out here for everybody. But when you have a relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into you and he's inside with you. And so when I say that he can live in you, because the reality is, is he doesn't live in everybody. He only lives in those people that have, have received him. And so we need, to, we need to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And at that point, it says that the, the Holy Spirit enters into us. You know, Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You're not your own. And so when we look at our body, you're not your own. I mean, this is my body, my choice. No, you're not your own. You're, the Holy Spirit is in you. You've asked Christ to come into your life, and so now there's, there's something else in you that makes you different. The old is gone. You're a new creation. Christ followers have the Holy Spirit in them, and Paul reminds them, do you not know Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you that you have from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. The Holy Spirit in the life of a believer resides inside of you. And so a person, every person, every single one of us, every single one of us at Springbrook, every one of us in this community, every one of us throughout the entire globe, if you're living and breathing, if you're alive right now, you either have the Holy Spirit in you or you don't. And so those are the only two realities. The Holy Spirit is either in a person or it's not. And so we either have a relationship with Christ or we don't. And so those are the only two realities. And so the invitation to come follow me begins with understanding my need for a relationship with Christ. I ask Christ to come into my life. I ask to make him my Lord and Savior. Baptism is the first step of obedience. I start to grow in my faith. I'm equipped for ministry. And then I go and I multiply myself. And so what this pathway begins by understanding my need for a relationship with Christ. And sometimes that can be a little bit confusing. I know that um, we encourage people. Uh, we share the, uh, the good news about our relationship with Christ. It is good news uh, that, uh, that we, were, have been, we have been saved from our sin. Uh, Paul wrote this, writes this in 1 Corinthians 15. I delivered to you as of first importance, the most important thing. I delivered to you of first importance what I also received. Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. You know, he was. it was foretold. It happened. This is great news. Jesus has died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. The reality of Jesus' birth, his death, and his resurrection is the good news for us. The good news is we are no longer slaves to this fallen and broken world. It's a messed up world out there, isn't it? The world's fallen and broken. We all have to suffer sin. We suffer from sin. We suffer from the consequences of sin. The world's fallen. It's broken. It's messed up. The good news is this. Christ through his death has overcome that. And that's where our peace and that's where our hope is. And that's what the good news is. And so we share that good news with people. And sometimes people will say, well, I didn't know that. Or how do I have a relationship with Christ? And we'll ask them. We'll share this good news with them. And I know there's a I have mixed feelings about our prayer. I, I typically will, will tell somebody, you know, if, if you believe Jesus Christ is God, that he died on the cross for your sins, uh, that he was resurrected, and when he returns, um, that he's, he, he's going to gather all the believers to be with him, if that's something you believe, uh, then you can pray, and you can ask Christ to come into your life, and so that's the receiving. Sometimes we ask, we talk to it uh, about you know, Christ coming into my heart. And so when you read through scripture, there's there's no place, there's no examples in here of people praying a prayer or people, you know, asking Christ to come into their heart. And so what we're really talking about here is we want people to be able to receive this good news. And so I hear this good news and I receive it. And so, first of all, you have to believe it. God loved the world, He gave His only Son, whoever believes in Him, whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. So, whoever, do you believe that? And so, do you believe that Jesus Christ died? for your sins. And so that's a belief system. And so what do you believe about, about who God is? What do you believe about your own condition? And what do you believe about Christ? God loves everybody. Whoever believes in him will not perish and have eternal life with him. And so there's a belief statement. And so you have to believe that. And then you have to receive Christ as your, as your savior. All who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so receiving the good news that means I believe it and I've received it. And that's typically where the prayer comes into play. If I, how do you receive it? Well, if you really believe it, pray and, and, and acknowledge the fact that the Holy Spirit's going to come into you. Ask, ask the Holy Spirit to come in. And so Revelation talks about there being a door and he stands at the door and knocks. And you just have to open the door and let him in. And so we have to receive this good news. We have to believe it and we have to receive it in a sense that it changes who we are and how we think. And how we behave, repent, turn back from your sins that they may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord in your life. And so the receiving brings about repentance. It changes our behavior. You know, I grew up in an environment where I pretty much could do whatever I wanted to do as long as I got to confession and then and ask for forgiveness. And so that's not repentance. That's trying to get away from, I don't know what you call that, uh, but it's not repentance. Repentance means I'm, I'm gonna stop. I'm going to stop doing it I'm going to, so that my sins might be blotted out and I'm going to experience more of what the Lord has for me. The idea of being refreshed, the idea of having an encounter with God, the idea of being able to experience the fullness of new life in God comes about from the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so we believe who Jesus is. We receive him as our Lord and Savior. He changes us. We repent and we're made new. All of this happens so that God might be glorified and so that we can have the assurance of salvation and be able to share that good news with other people. That's the good news. That's what it means to believe and to receive and to repent. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ this morning, if you're unclear about how you have a relationship with Christ this morning, and, and a good litmus test for that is just to ask, hey, when I die, where am I going? And if you can't say without a shadow of a doubt in your mind that when I die, I'm going to heaven, then that's the first question that needs to be resolved. And so we ask Christ to come into our life so that we we can have the assurance of heaven, but more importantly than that, so that we can be refreshed, so we can have life to the full that John 10 promises us, so we can live a life that is glorifying to God and experience the power and presence of a relationship with Christ. We can experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit working in our life. That's my prayer for our congregation. That's my prayer for each of us as we move into this new year, that it would be one that we sense God's leading because this world's messed up. There's there's stuff going on out there. Did you know that? (laughs) This world's fallen, it's broken, it's messed up. Don't let that distract you from who you are in Christ and the hope that we have laid up for us. This world is not our home. We have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life to accomplish all that God has for us. And It's been my experience that most people— Don't experience that. You know, when we were talking about our relationship with Christ at Christmas, we were talking about the reality that we celebrate Christmas, but very few people understand that Jesus is the light of the world. Very few people understand how to have a relationship with Christ. And so I talked to many of you after that series. You know, you went out, you talked to your friends, you talked to your family, and the feedback I got was wow, you were right. Very few people have a relationship with Christ. I mean, that's just the reality. There's a lot of confusion out there about who Jesus is. And as a result, most people don't take the time necessary to get their questions answered. So the majority of people do not have a relationship with Christ. The majority. I'm going to say more than half because I know it's more than half. More than half the people in our community don't have a relationship with Christ. But you know what's sad? In the body of Christ, in the church, I would say that half the people aren't experiencing the power and presence of the Holy Spirit working in their life. There's just things that are holding them back from experiencing more of what God has for them. And no matter whether somebody doesn't have a relationship with Christ or they do or they're not growing, the reason that people don't experience that is because of fear. We don't experience more of Christ in our life because of fear. I'm in conversations right now with many people about making a faith decision. I love to talk about Jesus and I love to help people make that decision for Christ I mean uh, that, that's so exciting for me to be able to watch somebody cross over that line of faith the majority of people that don't make that decision are afraid of what it would mean for their life <laughs> well if I make that decision what, what do I have to do <laughs> you know if I make that faith commitment what does that mean for my family you know if I make that decision what does that mean for the people around me exactly you need to help us get this good news to them because the reality is that Jesus is who we claim to be and that really is where our hope is. That really is where, what salvation's all about. And so people start to embrace that fear and fear holds them back from making a decision from Christ. You know, people make that decision and you know, it's like, hey, this is great. I'm so glad you, you made that decision for Christ. I'd love to talk to you about getting baptized. Wow. One thing at a time there, buddy. <laughs> Baptism is one of those things that can't I don't know, what am I going to have to say? You won't have to say anything. I'll, I'll help you with your story. Well, okay, we'll figure out how to make it happen. Fear holds us back from wanting to just simply get baptized. What does it mean for my family? I mean, if I make this if this really is a reality and I do get baptized... You know what does this mean for my family? My my whole family right now, you know, praise God, are, are Christ followers. My mom uh, made a faith commitment. She was baptized. She was involved in a local church. She was growing her faith all before uh, she went to go see the Lord. So praise God for that. But I remember when I made a faith commitment and got baptized, my family thought I joined a cult. <laughs> my mom thought it was my mom thought I was going to get excommunicated from church and she wanted me to go to hell. I'm thinking I'm not going to go to hell. I just committed my life to Christ. and got baptized. This is a good thing. <laughs> Baptism has a way of separating. It's just, it's a tangible separation of, hey, what do you believe? And fear holds people back from experiencing the joy of being able to identify with Christ. You know, the Bible says that when one person repents and becomes a believer, all of heaven rejoices. When somebody gets baptized in spring break, they come up out of the tub. You know what everybody does? They clap. It's exciting. These are steps of faith that people are taking. We started three new small groups last year, and so Pastor Matt's been working with, done a great job working with our coaches. I clap every time there's a new small group. I get a, I get a notification every time somebody joins a small group at Springbrook, and I get a little pops up and says, so-and-so joined a small group. I'm like, yes! Those are steps of faith where people are getting connected. They're, they're growing. That's one of the things I love about getting our leaders together. We have our leadership gathering uh, six, seven times a year, during the year where we pull all of our leaders together. And I tell you, when we have all of our leaders in one room and, and we're praying together, my, my spirit is just so full. Just to know that people are stepping in to lead, to be a part of what God has for us in this ministry. And as we move into the new year, I love our leaders at Springbrook. We've got great elders, we've got great staff, we've got great leaders, and God is doing an amazing work. And it's, and for me, I, I just sometimes, I just like, oh, I, I, I'm amazed I get to be a part of it it 's so exciting to watch people going and to have conversations about you know that they 're having with people in their workplaces in their in their, in their in their homes just in the last week i 've had three people tell me about conversations that they had with somebody about their relationship with christ and that is so encouraging to know that people are going and taking this good news out into their community that 's why we exist. We exist to reach our community for Christ we want other people to hear about the good news about Christ. And we want them to experience the fullness of life that God has for them. And we need the Holy Spirit in order for that to happen. In Colossians 2, Paul writes this, Therefore, as you receive Christ the Lord, walk in him. Walk in him. Be rooted up and be built up in him. Be established in the faith. Be rooted and established in the faith. Just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. Be excited about what you're doing. And so as we move through this series, I'm praying that people will walk, they'll be rooted, and they'll be established. And so whether you want to, whether you want to join the Slack community or, or whatever, you know, you know, just pick up the book and read it on your own. It's, it's my prayer for each of us that as we move into this new year that we would experience more of the power and presence of a relationship with Christ. And so uh, I want to encourage you to jump in and, and, and be a part of that. And so if you've got your uh, phone on you, if you're watching online, uh, you can hold your cell phone up. If you're watching on your cell phone, it's kind of problematic. Cell phone, the app, the website. You know, if you've got your phone on with you right now, you can hold it up. That QR code works. And I checked it from the back, by the way. So you can hold your phone up. But if you've got an iPhone, your camera will click that up and it'll pop up. I mean, I'm trying to remove barriers for people. You know, don't, you don't need to be afraid. Just, 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 just jump in if you don't want to be a part of our Slack community, that, that's fine. Um, if you don't want to tell me you're a part of the journey, that's fine too. But I would encourage you to sign up, you know, to be a part of what God has for you and for us as we move into this new year. And so what's next if you're online, if you have questions about our relationship with Christ, um, our online hosts are there to talk with you. If you're in person with us this morning, I'll be available after the service. Would love the opportunity to talk with you about how you can experience more of the power presence of Christ in your life. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you for this uh, day you've given us today. Uh, God, I thank you for your faithfulness uh, this past year, and uh, God, I just pray that you would continue um, to work in and through us. Uh, God, that we would be able to experience more of you in our life. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity we have to be in community with one another Uh, where we can encourage one another in our faith, uh, where we can learn together, and we can be a part of your plan uh, for reaching our community for Christ. God, thank you for your provision. Uh, We look forward to all that you have for us. Uh, We commit this day to you, and we pray all of these things uh, to you, Father, through the Son and the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
1: If you'll stand and worship with us one more time.
4: that next week we're going to be looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I hope you can come back and look at that. We've got the Holy Spirit. We know he's a person. He's God. He lives in us. And uh, next week we're going to look at the good gifts that he gives. And we hope that you can join him. If you have Christ in your life, you have been sealed. You have the power of Christ in you. I pray that God will continue to guide you and lead you as we move into this new year. Thanks for being with us today and have a great day.